Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. In the name of the living and true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Neshota House Theological Seminary is nestled in the woods of southern Wisconsin along the shores of a crystal clear spring-fed lake. It's a beautiful setting. During my time at Neshota House, we learned a lot inside the classroom, but I dare say we learned just as much outside the classroom. In fact, one of the most fruitful educational venues was around the campfire at night. There we chewed on and kicked around some of the great mysteries of the faith. Those eternal tensions between free will and predestination, faith and works, the law and grace. One particularly memorable theological dilemma that was pondered on many occasions was that sneaky little line in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation. Perhaps you pondered this petition yourself. The question is simple. If God is good and loving and merciful and all the things that we believe about his nature and character, then why in the world would we need to ask him to not lead us into temptation? Or put another way, what, without our prayers, is this what God would do? Lead us toward temptation? This seems absurd. To add further fuel to the fire, we could pair this particular quandary with the first verse in today's gospel. Today's gospel begins with Matthew chapter 4. But at the end of Matthew chapter 3, we find Jesus being baptized, and the voice from heaven proclaims, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And then Matthew 4 begins immediately after his baptism with these words, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Is this why Jesus goes on to tell us, in Matthew chapter 6, during his famous Sermon on the Mount, hey, take it from me. When you pray, you really need to ask the Father in heaven to not lead you into temptation, because I tell you what, it's not fun. After I was baptized, he led me into temptation, and you do not want to go through that, trust me. Does God really tempt us? The answer, and it's very important after asking that question as I have, very important to listen to the answer, the answer is an, an emphatic and unequivocal no. God does not tempt us. The scriptures themselves attest to this very important truth. St. James writes in the first chapter of his letter, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. God himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. That's from James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. There is a note, if you have the Orthodox Study Bible, there is a note in the Orthodox Study Bible in this, uh, it, under James chapter 1, which reads, the immediate origin of a temptation is our own sinful passions, which the devil energizes. Temptation begins with desires or lusts, 
then progresses to being conceived, a fixation on or delight in sinful desires, and it ends as birth to sin, a consent to or acting out of sinful desires. We fall to temptation, the note says, because we allow ourselves to do so. Neither God nor circumstance force us to yield. No, God does not tempt us to sin. That would be counter to everything that he stands for. God wants to save us from sin and strengthen us against temptation, not throw us over the cliff. He sent his son into the world to take away the sin of the world, to destroy the works of the devil. This could not be more clear. However, and here we start to get into some of the mystery of our faith, God does allow us to face trials and be confronted by temptation. One of the early church fathers writes, the devil cannot tempt God's people as long as he wishes. He can tempt them only so long as Christ or the Holy Spirit who is in them allows him to. St. Paul himself underscores this same teaching when he writes to the Corinthians, God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your strength. But with the temptation will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Why does God allow us to be tried and even tempted? So that our love for God, our faith and trust in God, our obedience to God may be strengthened, perfected, and completed. In other words, so that we would be saved. The temptation of our Lord in the wilderness contains deep wisdom and instruction for us today. You'll remember that the people of Israel were freed from their bondage in Egypt by passing through the waters of the Red Sea. But on the other side of those waters, they did not enter directly into the promised land. Rather, they began a 40-year journey through the desert wilderness en route to the promised land. There, in the wilderness, they were tested and tried and struggled against temptations to distrust God and his goodness, faithfulness, and love. Well, in the same way, our Lord Jesus Christ, after his baptism in the Jordan River, was led directly into the wilderness for 40 days, a long time in its own right, and also a symbol of the Israelites' 40-year journey through the wilderness. Like the Israelites before him, our Lord was also tested and tried and struggled against the very same temptations to distrust God the Father, his goodness, faithfulness, and love. But unlike the Israelites, who were descendants of the old Adam and inheritors of his fallen nature, and unlike every other human being who had, who had ever gone before, our Lord Jesus Christ does not yield to the temptations of the world, the flesh, and the devil. In his true humanity, born of the flesh of the Blessed Virgin Mary, he stands firm in his faith and trust and obedience and love of God the Father. He is the new Adam, inaugurating a new creation that he offers to us. This is our inheritance 
and our salvation. And so, in the same way, we Christians, in this year, 2023, traverse this very same road as the people of Israel before us and our Lord Jesus Christ. But we have the benefit and the blessing of traveling with the new Adam, with the one who has conquered sin, death, and the devil through his death and resurrection. We too emerge from the waters of the baptismal font and proceed not directly to the promised land, but into the desert wilderness of this life. We too are tested and tried and struggle against the principalities, against the powers, against the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, as St. Paul writes to the Ephesians. We struggle against, in the words of our baptismal covenant, the evil powers of this world which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God. There is no shortcut to our salvation. There is no magic pill or secret code whereby we pass directly into the kingdom of God. The testing, the tempting, the struggle, it's part of the path. Not that we might be beaten down and destroyed, but that we might be filled more and more with the love of God, with trust in God and obedience to God. The Christian life is an active life, and that action of love and trust and obedience it's fine and good in the calm waters of an uneventful day, whatever that is, but where it really grows and strengthens and blossoms is when it is exercised actively in the face of testing, temptation, and struggle. Consider the love our Lord Jesus Christ has for God the Father. In his human flesh, he has exercised these spiritual muscles of faith, and trust and obedience and love to the fullest, meaning he has never once yielded to temptation to sin or turned against God. As such, his love and faith and trust and obedience are perfect, they are complete. Ours, on the other hand, are not. We have yielded, and we will likely yield again and fall short and sin. We see in our Lord's struggle in the desert temptation to three particular sins, which as his followers we can be sure will confront us as well. Indeed, the further we travel along the spiritual life, the more we can expect these temptations. We'll turn to the fifth century spiritual giant of the church and bishop of Rome, Gregory the Great, who succinctly names these sins. He writes, our ancient enemy rose up against the first human being, the first Adam our ancestor, in three temptations. He tempted him by gluttony, by vain ambition, and by avarice. He tempted him by gluttony when he showed him the forbidden food of the tree and told him, taste it. He tempted him by vain ambition when he said, you will be like gods. He tempted him by avarice when he said, knowing good and evil. Avarice is concerned not only with money, but also with high position. We rightly call it avarice when we seek high position beyond measure. Gregory goes on to explain how the devil attempted to destroy our Lord Jesus Christ, the new Adam, in the same way as the old Adam. He writes, The devil tempted our Lord by gluttony when he said, Tell these stones to become bread. He tempted him by vain ambition when he said, 
If you are the Son of God, cast yourself down. He tempted him by an avaricious desire for high position when he showed him all the kingdoms of the world, saying, I will give you all these if you will fall down and worship me. We, too, continue to be tempted by gluttony, vanity, and avarice, along with all of the other of the seven deadly sins. The 40-day season of Lent is the church's effort at following our Lord into the desert for these 40 days. It's also a symbol, a microcosm even, of the desert wilderness of this life. Lent is a gift, a divinely inspired opportunity to strip away the layers of comfort and convenience that lull us into forgetting the reality of the spiritual life and its struggles. It's a season to focus keenly on the tests and trials and struggles against temptation that lead us away from God and for us to strengthen our spiritual muscles of love of God and trust in God and obedience of God. This Lenten season, may the words, return back to the epistle of St. James, may his words be true for us as we journey through the wilderness of Lent. He writes, Blessed is the one who endures trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. In the name of the living and true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.